This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua House, the Miami Dolphins, 4-4, four and four, and we are headed in the right direction as a franchise for the first time in over 20 years. The Miami Dolphins on the right track. Stop me if you've heard this before, because the Miami Dolphins are definitely not on the right track. We all thought maybe they were with that 3-0 start. Maybe they have the right guy in Adam Gase. Maybe they have the right coordinator in Matt Burke. Maybe you have the right quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. Oh, look, maybe Brock Osweiler is playing just as well as Ryan Tannehill can keep this ship afloat and possibly move on from Ryan Tannehill at the end of the season. Maybe, just maybe, the Dolphins have a deep defensive line with Robert Quinn and Cameron Wake. Maybe Rayquan McMillan is going to burst onto the scene. Maybe Bobby McCain, after getting that huge contract, is going to just shut down corners no matter where he is on the field. Maybe TJ McDonald is feeling some kind of heat from Minka Fitzpatrick and steps up his game. Maybe drafting a player like Minka Fitzpatrick, a rare talent that you don't see often, will see the field almost every down. Maybe Kenyon Drake, one of the most electrifying running backs in the NFL, will see the field quite often. Maybe, just maybe the offensive line is finally shored up. Maybe the Dolphins have the biggest defensive line depth in the NFL. And I think I've just run out of what maybe could have been and what maybe was said and what all was said this past offseason coming into this season and what was ignored in the 3-0 starts and now the Dolphins losing three of their last four. What a mess this Miami Dolphins team is and I had to catch myself there. I almost threw in a few expletives before I just said that. Yeah, calm yourself down. Man, it feels like that was Just epic. Another year where the Dolphin season is done. The Dolphin season is over. Yeah, they might rip off a few wins here and there, but I don't see them doing much. It's a bad feeling. How it's Sutton? I don't know. What yeah, to say are, are we? Are we in the? Oops. Are we going to accidentally win a game mode? Like I don't. I don't know if I'm ready to be in that situation right now. I know we're four and four. Like and we lost four of the last five games. Are we in eight and eight purgatory? Are we more in the six and ten category? Because that's a world of difference. Two I, games, but I, but I mean that that's that's huge for the long term approach at least. 
I'm not going to lie. When you said oops, I thought you were going to do an oops, I did it again. You are going to break out. Some I love Britney Spears, just throwing I, it out there. I thought you were getting there and say, you know, this is the same Dolphin team that we've kind of seen over the last 20 years. It's just something that it just keeps repeating itself. And, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because we had Dan Marino that God's looking down on us and he's like, okay, th- this is what you're going to get for all those years of greatness because this is just – there's no words for it. I don't know how you follow what Kanata said I don't know how this team can move forward. Eight and eight, seven and nine, six and ten, nine and seven. I don't think any of it matters because the long term look on this team. Yeah, we got long young players. We got these pieces on defense. We got pieces on offense. But the positions that matter most, a quarterback, you know, the those defensive ends, those pass rushers. Charles Harris isn't doing anything. Cameron Wake's ninety years old. Robert Quinn they traded a fourth round pick for, and he's he looked great in preseason, hasn't done anything. I think I saw something today, thirty two million dollars. Uh, between Cameron Wake, Charles Harris, Andre Branch, and Robert Quinn, and they have three sacks between them. Uh, that's unacceptable. I mean, we're going to go through all of this, but it's just been – after starting season 3-0, and I mean, we went into this year, none of us expected much out of the team. They started year 3-0, and and then they just did what the Dolphins do. I mean, they got our hopes up, and they just took a dump right on us. So it's – it's this is going to be a fun show because I, I, my blood's boiling. I'm sorry we started off the show so depressing for all of you listening, but – the reality is, folks, I don't see this Miami Dolphins team going many places. And yes, the people inside the building would completely disagree with me 100%. And we know people inside the building listen to this show because they've mentioned it to us that they've listened to this show. We're not here to be homers. We're not here to we're not here to praise a team all the time. On the same end, we're not here to bash a team all the time either. We're just trying to tell it like it is. And Of course, those working for the Dolphins are going to be fully optimistic. Those of us on the outside, we have an obligation here on the show and in the papers, the reporters, to give you what really is, right? And and we hate doing this, and we hate these types of shows. We were texting earlier today, guys, like, what can we do to distance ourselves from this team so we're not sitting here just thinking about what could have, should have, would have been? And there's really no way to after you've invested so much time of your life into the team. Myself being a Dolphins fan over 20 years and doing this whole website stuff, podcast stuff, really digging deep inside the team for the past 10 plus years. There's no way to break apart from it. And yes, on one hand, I'm a fan. On the other hand, I have an obligation as I guess a reporter and a podcast host to bring you what I know and what I've been hearing and what I think is a state of the team. Do I believe in Adam Gase? I have gone on record on this show and on Twitter and in articles that I've written that I do believe in Adam Gase. Do I believe in Matt Burke, the defensive coordinator? No, I do not. Do I think he's a good position coach? Yes. Do I think he's an amazing person? Absolutely. Do I think he's a good defensive coordinator? No, I do not. And in Adam Gase's press conference on Friday morning, Friday afternoon, he said that he's not looking at the defensive coordinator or defensive coaches in a vacuum. He said that players need to play what they've been assigned. Coaches need to coach what the call is. So it sounds like there's some dysfunction on the defensive side of the ball. Reading between the lines, it sounds like all the coaches aren't on the same page. It sounds like there's some disagreements there with the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball. It sounds like the players aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's alarming. Because when you look at the defense, there's not many changes you can make. I said earlier today on Twitter, and we're going to get into this defensive side, 
And we're not really going to get into stats because I don't think anybody wants to hear any stats at this point. I think people just want to vent. They want to hear others venting. They want to just kind of understand what's going on with the team right now and just try to find solutions, even though what we say has no bearing at all what goes on inside that building and what changes may be made. Us saying it, though, and what we believe in gives us some sort of credibility because we're telling you like it is. And when it maybe happens, we can look back and say, were we right? Were we wrong? And we've been right plenty of times on the show. We've been wrong plenty of times. And we're going to continue to do the same. So for me, and I'm going to throw this to you, son, and house after this too. For me, if if I'm Adam Gase during this mini bye week, right? You have the weekend to kind of evaluate everything. Players are probably coming back earlier because they lost and got stuff to clean up on. But the install for the game plan comes on Wednesday. And that's against the Jets. But if I'm Adam Gase, I'm telling these guys, listen, here's the defensive changes. I know Vincent Taylor was a little banged up. But number one, he's getting the majority of snaps on that defensive line. Number two, I'm making Minka Fitzpatrick the starting safety alongside Rashad Jones. I don't know what the Dolphins will do with TJ McDonald. Move him to the bench uh, in case of an injury. Trade him, cut him. Although he doubt gets traded, so I don't think you're going to cut him. Move him to the bench, demote him. Move Bobby McCain back to the slot. You paid him all this money. He made all this money as a slot cornerback. Move him to the slot. But Tankersley or McTire out on the boundary, they cannot do any worse than Bobby McCain has done the past two games. Leave the linebackers as is. Find a defensive end via trade, like a William Hayes, who can set the edge on the run. Because right now the Dolphins have nobody. You mentioned how Charles Harris a bust so far. I don't know if he's ever going to burst onto the scene. Can't wake and Robert Quinn speed rushers. Very easy for an offensive line to shut them out. So those are the changes I'm making. And I think that's going to go a long way to shoring up the defense. And the offense, I think, just needs to continue to do what they're doing. Although I would like to see Adam Gates mimic the Saints office and get Ingram and Kamara on the field at the same time in situations like the Saints do, rotating back and forth. But Drake needs to see the field more. I want to see Gazicki in a slot. Get him away from the normal tight end position. We knew coming out of college, he was a glorified glorified tight end or glorified wide receiver, whatever that saying is. He's really a wide receiver in a tight end's body. Put him in the slot, let him get in space, let him make plays. Houts, what would you do if you're Adam Gaze during this mini bye week? Yeah, it's easy to say, and we keep seeing it on Twitter, you know, go out there and fire Matt Burke. I, I'm not sure that he's going to do that. We've seen him get behind his players, and he does it till the end of days. I mean, he brought in Jay Cutler, his guy, Ryan Tannehill, a guy that he inherited. He stuck behind and still hasn't drafted a quarterback. I mean, he, he goes out on a limb for these players and ultimately ties his job to him. So I'd see no reason why he would go out there and do it any differently for his coaching staff. I mean, Matt Burke, his defense has been terrible over the last few weeks. I saw a stat that said over the last three games, 599 yards rushing on the ground given up to the opposition. That's on Johnson. I mean, that was last night against Lamar Miller. It's just unacceptable how far they have fallen since, you know, that early beginning of the season, I think in the first two weeks of the year, Miami's defense was just getting takeaway after takeaway. They looked like one of the better defenses in the NFL, and it looked promising. And then it was midway through that Chicago game where they just went downhill. So whatever it may be, coaching, schemes, you know, players out of position. There's no question in my mind that Rayquan McMillan and Jerome Baker, you saw last night, they're out of position. They're young guys. They're eight games into their NFL career, so they're definitely going to make mistakes. But a guy like Bobby McCain, like you said, Kanata, this guy got paid a big, big 
contract and he went out there and just got abused by Will Fuller. The only thing that stopped Will Fuller was honestly his ACL. And I'm sorry that he got hurt, but the only reason that he got stopped in that game was because his ACL gave out. DeAndre Hopkins, everyone go out there. The Evan Silvas of the world can talk about how he abused Xavier Howard. He didn't abuse Xavier Howard. Hopkins' biggest play of the game was on a play where Xavier Howard passed him off to the safety and it was just misread. So uh, it's it's hard to say what this team should do. I think Adam Gase needs to grab this team and realize, you know what, this is a sinking ship. And if you want to be an NFL head coach, you need to go out there and make these these changes. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick, like you said, I think he played 33 snaps, which equivalents to 54% of them. That's unacceptable. You have Minka Fitzpatrick and you're giving guys like TJ McDonald snaps over him. Whether you move them to safety, whether you hey house house house. Remember how uh, we were told in the off season how versatile the secondary was supposed to be, and you're going to see these uh, complex packages from the dime and the dollar, and we'd have all three safeties on the field all at the same time. I'm just. Do you guys remember that? Like how how that's just not materialized. How we're just force fed this kind of stuff in the off season and just never transpires. Yeah, absolutely. It's they come out here and they run this vanilla defense. I mean, you have a guy like TJ McDonald who might be better suited in the box as a linebacker to help out those young guys, or even Rashad Jones and you move Minka Fitzpatrick to the back. You gotta find a perimeter corner. I, I don't know if it's Tankersley, I don't know if it's Cornell Armstrong. I don't know who it is, but Bobby McCain's better in the slot. He got abused these last two games like Kanata said. Uh You've got a lot of you got to make a lot of decisions in the next ten days because this is ultimately what's going to decide the Dolphins' 2018 season and you know the future. Because Matt Burke, I don't think he's the answer at defense corner. What are you going to do? Bring in Rob Ryan? You're going to hope that you know Greg Williams gets gets uh, fired from Cleveland. I mean, I don't I don't know where you go from here. I just know they have a lot of young pieces, but defensive ends atrocious the linebackers it's just they're getting gashed man I, I don't know where we go from here I don't know what you got to say son let's hear your take on this I agree with you I don't think a move right now makes sense because we do have a lot of young players on that defense so we we need to see what's going to materialize whether they're put in awkward positions or not and it's it's really you have to wonder if it's a a teaching and schematic sort of thing. So in other words, are the coaches not instructing the players as well as they could be? Or is it because we are too young, we don't have the experience, they don't understand the nuances just yet, and the athleticism isn't translating into on-game, uh, sorry, in-game pr- uh, production. The the defensive in-group, like you said, House. It's been really disappointing. I don't think anyone predicted in the preseason that this would be one of the weaknesses of this group. You're looking at Wake, William Hayes, Andre Branch, Robert Quinn, Charles Harris. We're just not getting anything there. And I think this last game was that barometer. It was that litmus test. Okay, are we going to have any sort of pass rush whatsoever this year or no? And in this league, in a pass-driven league, when you can't generate a pass rush, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. And we saw what happened against Houston. I believe Deshaun Watson had fewer incompletions than I do have children. So that's not a good sign for our secondary. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because right before the game, my 
number two child, so my second oldest, not number two as in like favorite, but like my, my second oldest child, he, uh, he had to go to bed right before the game. It just happened to be around his bedtime. And because of that, he said, I don't like the Dolphins, dad. And part of me was like, oh, man. good, <laughs> good. <laughs> At least I know I've left this world in a slightly better place than I did before, giving more comfort to at least one of my children that he doesn't have to endure what we've endured this last five weeks, losing four or five, and wondering if we're in the same circle of NFL purgatory. You know, I I want to get back to that later in the show because all of us, I'm in Connecticut, how it's you're in Pennsylvania, son, you're in Ohio, and somehow we're all Dolphins fans, right? If we look, and we were talking about this last night and this morning, I mean, son, you would have had the Browns, so that's not really helping much. How about how it's, you could have been an Eagles fan and would have experienced a Super Bowl, would have experienced a Super Bowl appearance when Terrell Owens was there. And me, I'm right in the heart of Patriots country. And I should have been a Patriots fan. And everyone would have known what I would have experienced. But we're all Dolphins fans, and I will all be Dolphins fans. I mean, yeah, I get those thoughts sometimes for a few hours after the games. It's like, should I switch teams? Should I jump off this ship? Should I jump off this train before it finally crashes for good? And then, you know, every time I'm finally over the game, I'm like, I can't. I've invested so much of my life into this team. I'm not going to jump on anyone's bandwagon. I said to you guys today in a text, I said, I'm going to low-key root for the Giants and add that to my fandom. At least that's in the NFC. At least they're rebuilding the right way. They're tearing everything down and going to start over again. But even as I sit here and after I sent that text, I'm like, what am I saying? I will always be a Dolphins fan for better or for worse. It will change one day. It has to change one day. But we've been saying that for 20 plus years, so maybe it's never going to change. They'll get this thing right eventually. And just like the Patriots got it right eventually, they're going to come crashing down eventually as well. And they're going to take their lumps and bumps and everything else. I feel like this is just another therapy session. We had one of these a few weeks ago, guys. But, uh, you know, we might have a few more as we continue through this season. A guy that's not – yeah, go ahead. I I mean, you you like to think the law of averages is going to apply to us, especially in a league of parity. It's designed for – teams to rise from the bottom to the top and you're just wondering when <laughs> when is it going to be our time and like how it said we start a uh, 3-0 and and things are looking real good and then now we're looking at 4-4 uh, four and four going back to purgatory sorry guys I love you I love everybody man the Dolphins they just it's a topsy-turvy world yeah, and in topsy-turvy world for Brock Osweiler, too, coming onto the scene against the Bears and just dominating on that in that offense and, and beating the Bears, coming back in overtime and winning the game, helping them win the game, playing a decent game against the Lions. I thought he played solid against the Lions, but his defense couldn't help him. But against the Texans on Thursday night, absolutely dreadful. And I saw a lot of tweets. A lot of people are just are just waiting to say, look at Brock Osweiler regressing to the mean. I'm not ready to say that yet. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm being stubborn. But he went into a home where he was one of the highest paid quarterbacks in free agency to ever you know, sign with a team in modern history. He was 
with a ton of pressure on him as he was Houston's quarterback. He got shipped out after a season, hated in Houston. He said it was just another game, but you know, we know, everybody knows he had some emotions flowing. He was facing a quarterback and a defensive coordinator who knew him like the back of their hand. And the Dolphins were just decimated by injuries. And when you have a three-day turnaround, even less because you're not planning up until the game, you're getting your game plan set in place before that. It's hard, and I'm not making excuses for the Dolphins, but I'm just kind of saying it like it is. And I think we all said on uh, the, the preview show for the Texans, Sutton, you weren't here because you were uh, making excuses for your internet. But Houts and I said that we didn't... <laughs> Houts and, and I said we didn't think that there was much of a chance for the Dolphins in this game. And I doubled down on that going into the game. But, you know, you lose Albert Wilson, you lose other guys, you, you're banged up and you don't quite know what you're going to do. And you're not going to retool an offense in less than three days. It's just not going to happen. And you're not going to retool a defense and all those mistakes in just three days. It's not going to happen. So everything was stacked against these Dolphins going into this game. And we knew that even before the season started, just how rough of a schedule this was going to be. But anyways, back to Brock Osweiler, what I'm trying to say is I'm not ready to count him out just yet. He's going to start the Jets game most likely, and people are now saying he's probably going to start the Packers game as well, and they're hoping to bring Tannehill back after the bye. So for you, Houts, for you, Sutton, are you ready to say Brock Osweiler is Brock Osweiler again? Are you willing to look at those two games he had and then just look at this Texans game and say it was just a bad game all around for the entire team? Houts. I think it's funny because when you look at what Brock Osweiler is as a quarterback, isn't he essentially the Miami Dolphins? I mean, he goes out there, he has these great games, he gives you all this hope, and then he reverts back to Brock Osweiler. I mean, no one can blame him for what happened yesterday. I mean, it was not his fault the Dolphins lost. It was all on the defense, but everyone just waited by their, their Twitter account, and they just waited to tweet out, you know, I can't wait for Ryan Tannehill to come back. Ryan Tannehill was not winning this football game. Not in this world, not in the next world. Unless he comes back with Terminator arms, a Terminator leg, whatever it may be, Dan Marino's brain, that, that's the only way he's going out there and winning this game. I mean, this was not on Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler did exactly what you kind of expected him to do. He, in over the last three games that he started 895 yards, th- six touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, nothing can be... Nothing can be put on Brock Osweiler. This was not his fault. Uh, whether or not he's going to become the Osweiler that we all know and, you know, he's been the butt of all jokes over the last few years, I'm not sure of that. I think he will start the Jets game. I think he goes out there and plays well. I mean, that's three decent games that he's played. And then the Thursday night game against a team who, you know, he had a lot riding on that game. I think things early on went did not go his way. I mean, that Amendola interception, uh, we'd like to blame the refs, or we, we hate to blame the refs, but – that was that was a pass interference. That was a holding call. That should have been called. There were so many different calls during that game that could have went the Dolphins' way if you know there was a competent referee in there. But I'm not ready to give up on Brock Osweiler. I'm not ready to give up on Ryan Tannehill. I mean, both those guys are, are what they are. And I think if the Dolphins went out there and drafted a quarterback like they should have over the last three or four years, we won't be too concerned about which quarterback starting because, I mean, we invested seven years in Ryan Tannehill, and I'm not ready to say that he's – light years above Brock Osweiler. I think he's a better quarterback than Brock Osweiler. But what we've seen over the last few weeks is an efficient Brock Osweiler, a guy who goes out there, he does all the pre-snap things that you love, he makes the throws that you need in crucial situations, and then he's going to make a boneheaded play. And that's exactly what Ryan Tannehill's done over seven years. Um, so for me, 
it's it's tough. I mean, I think he's going to go out there and hopefully they they lay put a licking down on the freaking Jets because Adam Gase says ten days. You need to go out there. You need to get your team in ready to go and you need to go out there and beat the heck out of the Jets because the Jets are not a very good football team. They're just as banged up and the Dolphins need that win. If you have any hope for this season, you need to go out there and just absolutely dismantle the New York Jets. Let's look at it from the half empty approach. You know, you usually get one good game out of your backup quarterback where the team rallies around them, maybe another game. But then you saw in that third game in this most recent game against Houston, Brock didn't play as well. So you don't know if that is indicative of um, more of a floor, more of a rock bottom. But like you said, MC Money, uh, we kind of expected a regression to the mean, but we don't know if there's more of a plummet or not at this point. But with that being said, with what I've seen out of his sample size so far is – I think he's made a case to at least be a backup quarterback in this league for at least a couple more years. And, you know, I, I like him at the line of scrimmage. Like you said, how it's, he has that, those pre-snap reads and whether or not he's, you know, it, he's just being flamboyant at the line of scrimmage with elaborate fakes and he's just uh, reverting to the original play call or if he's actually, uh, manipulating different things at the line of scrimmage. That remains to be seen, but at least he, he he's confident in doing so. And it looks like he really is uh, communicating at a different level than Ryan Tannehill did because I, I thought Ryan, Ryan Tannehill is robotic as he has presented himself over several years. When you're looking at him in the huddle situation – and I, I think it was a couple weeks ago that his uh, Brock Osweiler's huddle etiquette was brought into question and how good it was. And we were like, what the hell does that mean? Well, we're kind of seeing that when he's at the line of scrimmage pointing things out and looking like he's sliding protections and everything. And it looks like he uh, has made a great case to be a good backup quarterback in this league. So whether or not we win a few more games this year and and Ryan Tannehill's eventual health in this whole scenario, we don't know what's going to happen this next week against against the Jets. I've I've seen some credible sources that were saying that it doesn't look like Ryan Tannehill is going to be available to play in that game either. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. Yeah, you're correct on that. Uh, by all reports, it sounded like I think three yards per carry said he'd be reevaluated towards the end of late next week, and it was actually confirmed by ESPN, I thought, and the NFL Network, and that that won't put him on track to play the Jets. Uh, and now Adam Gase is saying that they don't know where they are with it. Uh, we've mentioned it on this show, and I think, Sutton, you were out for these, but they may be using this shoulder as an excuse for Gase to distance himself from Tannehill. One guy he's not distancing himself anymore is Laramie Tunsil, who's really stepped up this season. And if you could find any positives with this team this year, there are quite a few positives. Let's not be mistaken here. This is not a team that is just trash, okay? There are there are many positives that, that you will find in this team. It just needs to come together. But let's not ignore the excellent play of the left tackle Laramie Tunsil, one of the most important positions in the NFL, and a young centerpiece to build around on that offensive line. Sutton, what have you seen from Tunsil that makes you feel so optimistic 
about his future as a Miami Dolphin. Just seems like the game's slowing down for him a little bit. One of the big concerns from last year was the penalties that we saw from him, and you've seen no penalties from him in the last four games. Granted, you did see four in the first four games, but you've seen zero in the last four games. So that was one of those major hurdles that you have to make as a professional to make sure that you're not putting your team in those negative situations. And he's only allowed one sack in this first half of the season. So the last four games have been a much better indicator, in my opinion, than the first four games of the season where he's faced some elite competition along the way. I think when I am able to dig into the All-22, granted, this is just kind of of a first glance, but I do believe that I'm going to see Laramie Tunsil showing some pretty good tape from the Houston Texans game. And you just like the combination of the competition he's faced and the uh, resilience in terms of not making penalties. And you like just how important that position is in this league now, how important playing the tackle position, how it is uh, more catered to a passing league and being able to protect quarterbacks is so important. And, uh, you know, that vice versa, it's just showing how much of a detriment it is for our defensive end situation right now. But on the flip side, just showing how this half empty, half full thing works, Laramie Tunsil is doing, in my opinion, a very good job at playing one of the most important positions in football. Someone else who did a very good job against the Texans was Devontae Parker bursting onto the scene after really not playing much this season. His agent, of course, firing off an Adam Gates last week when he was inactive. And it was just funny because had Devontae Parker burst onto the scene and has a tremendous game, the best receiver on the field by far in terms of the Dolphins, obviously not better than DeAndre Hopkins, but making great catches, staying in the game, staying in the zone. Brock and him had a great chemistry going on. And now you look at, the Dolphins, and you say, what do they do from here? Houts, what do you think the Dolphins do, and what would you do if you're running this team? I think it's funny because I think before the game started, it was Jay Glazer who may have went out there and said that the Dolphins dangled Devontae Parker in front of the Cowboys, and they're like, yep, we're good on that. And then you see him go out here, and he just balls. And he had six receptions, 134 yards. Like you said, he was definitely the best receiver on the field. It says a lot when he can go out there and just make those plays, he looked a lot like the guy who the Dolphins thought they drafted with the 14th overall pick in the 2015 draft. Devontae Parker, it's he's been up and down. I mean, we all know about the injury concerns, the questionable reasoning behind wh- whether or not he was healthy. I mean, I, I don't know why Adam Gase hasn't activated in these last few weeks. He's, he mentions we're looking for something different on special teams. Well, if this is the Devontae Parker that you could have gotten two, three games ago, I don't know what the heck you were thinking because this guy went out there and balled. Maybe it was because he wanted to go out there and, you know, try to impress another team, show his agent, show himself, show the Dolphins what he's capable of. But whether or not it's hard to see where the Dolphins go from here. I mean, this guy's 25 years old and you got to remember that he is only a 25 year old wide receiver. That's young in the NFL. I mean, you got guys like AJ Green, who I believe is 30 years old. Julio Jones is up there. Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, those guys are, in their late 20s, early 30s, and you got a guy like 
Devontae Parker, who has all the skills in the world, he just doesn't seem to put it all together. He doesn't seem to make it on the field because, you know, a, a lingering hamstring, a, an arm issue, whatever it may be. Devontae Parker, when he's healthy, can go out there and be just as bit as good as an Amari Cooper who just got traded for a first-round draft pick. So uh, I'm not sure what the Dolphins do from here. I think with how depleted their receiving core is, I think you'd be foolish to try to trade him. But what if a team comes calling now and offers up a third-round draft pick? Are you willing to cut that dead weight? I think they already picked up his fifth-year option. I think uh, next season would be he'd be playing for a contract extension. So uh, it's it's hard for me. I think Devontae Parker, and I've spent weekends arguing with people on Twitter about this. I think he is every bit as good as advertised when he's healthy. But it's the key is there's when he's healthy, you know, why he was deactivated, why Adam Gase chose not to play him. That still baffles me. You just hope that he goes out there and, and shows the same type of enthusiasm that he did this last week because six receptions, 134 yards, I mean, that's the true number one wide receiver that the Dolphins have desperately needed. And, I mean, maybe not for this year, but next season, I mean, he comes in there with Albert Wilson. He comes in there with Kenneth Stokes, an improved offense, maybe a better quarterback. I mean, the sky's the limit for Devontae Parker. He just needs to get it all together. And for me, the biggest question would be, what's the team going to give you? A third-round pick? I think I'm keeping Parker. If they go up there to a second, you can take Devontae Parker because that contract and his, his next contract is going to be a lot bigger than, you know, Miami might want to pay. Matthew, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't uh, Wednesday the cutoff for the trade deadline? It is, yes, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So is there anything, just put on your conspiracy theory hat for a second, is there anything to the possibility that we knew that this was going to be a rough game for us anyway, so we drum up a game plan to manufacture trade value for Devontae Parker? Absolutely. I think you see that all the time in the NFL and Major League Baseball and in all the sports. I think that is very possible for Adam Gase to sit there and say, we're going to make sure Devontae gets a lot of targets, a lot of catches, and show what he can do on a national stage and try to drum up this value. And listen, at the end of the day, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know if their relationship is past the state of repair. It could be. And if so, then that's a genius move by the Dolphins to showcase him like that and show teams what he can do. We don't know his injury history and what his injuries really look like. The Dolphins know better than everybody. So yes, and I do think that could have been part of it. Absolutely. But uh, can we ignore the fact that this team now has Kenny Stills and right. Jakeem Grant and, what, Mike Jasicki, who can't do anything? I mean, well, it's not like Kenny Stills was setting the world on fire. Yeah, exactly. So you have a Devontae Parker that goes out there and did what he did against Houston. He's easily the best receiver on the roster. So I, I think they did definitely target him early. They definitely want to show you know other teams maybe what he's capable of. But I'm not sure they're too quick to get rid of him. And I think someone mentioned on Twitter, you saw – Adam Gates in Devontae Parker's ear throughout the game. He was all over that man. And I, I think those two have a better relationship than the agent might have led on to believe. So I, I don't know how this goes. I think we're all going to be shocked come the trade deadline, like we were last year when JHI got traded. So anything could happen. But as of now, Devontae Parker, if he goes out there and plays like a ding as a Houston, he's without a doubt the best receiver on the roster. And it's not even close. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what the Dolphins do. There are a lot of areas where the Dolphins need to find out what they're going to do. I mean, we just ran off a bunch of different things and kind of just offered some therapy throughout this show. What I do want to get back at is just a fun discussion about, not really fun, it's probably more depressing. And I'm sure there's a ton of you out there 
who are in the same exact situation as us and others around the country where you could have rooted for your local team and probably likely been in a much better spot as a fan. But for one reason or another, whether it's family tradition, whether it's something you saw, something you loved, something you believed in that made you become a Dolphins fan, you just can't turn away. It's it's a team that's rooted deep in history and tradition. And I know people don't want to bring up the past, but I think that's what makes this franchise so great is you have so many loyal people to it. And that's a blessing and a curse, right? But you look at a team like the Rams, who, okay, had a decent fan base in St. Louis, but not great, which is why they moved. When they first moved to L.A., the attendance wasn't great. Then all of a sudden, they get really good with Sean McVay, and now you see everyone following them and jumping on the bandwagon. Same with the Seahawks. You don't see as many fans see that are rooting for the Seahawks now than when they were dominant. And I think you're going to see the same thing with the Patriots, although they may have established enough tradition and history to keep those fans. But, you know, you look at teams like the Steelers, the Giants, the Browns. Yes, I'm going to throw the Dolphins in there, even though they don't pack the stadium and be as loud as those stadiums are. I'm going to say the Dolphins have some history with some loyal fans. And so for it's hard for us to turn away. Well, and Matthew, and you saw yeah. in Cincinnati how well Dolphins fans travel. And Dolphins we travel well travel everywhere. Well. And I know you guys have been to different away games. And every single away game I've been to, there have been a, a very healthy representation of Dolphin fans. Yes, absolutely. And do we attribute that to, you know, the 1972 team that everyone loves to bring up that I don't think any of us give a crap about? I don't care what the 1972 team did. I cannot wait for a team to go undefeated so we can stop listening about it because that's not why I'm a Dolphins fan. Do we credit to that or do we, do, you know, Dan Marino, everyone growing up, they see Dan Marino to this day is probably the greatest quarterback. If you play in the NFL today, he'd probably throw for 6,000 yards and 100 touchdowns. So is it because of the 72 team? Is it because of Dan Marino or is it because, you know, I as a kid, I kind of like their colors. I like their logo and I knew about Dan Marino. So that's where I began my fandom. Uh, looking back at it, there's no way in heck I'd rather be a Steelers or an Eagles fan. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan till the day I die. Yeah, I, I personally think it would be Marino is the reason that we travel so well to different stadiums. But from, from my from my point of view, I know it's ironic because I live in Ohio and I have Cincinnati and Cleveland kind of equidistant from me, but from my hometown, I'm right across the border from West Virginia and Pittsburgh Steelers are actually the more common team to root for in that area. So I would actually probably would have been a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. That would have been awful. I, I do want to ask you guys your opinion on the 1972 undefeated season because it's something that, you know, every day it seems to come up. I mean, on Twitter, people are arguing about it. Uh, to me, it means nothing. It, it means absolutely nothing to me because, you know, I wasn't alive then. I don't care how great the Dolphins were back then because right now we're just stuck in 6-10. and 10, seven, nine, eight, eight. I mean, I find it disingenuous for us to – say how meaningful it is to us when we weren't alive when it happened. So I obviously love the tradition. I love this team. I love any positive silver lining there is to being associated with this team, but I, I find it hard to like advocate for it because it's has nothing to do with me. It was 46 years ago. I'm 32 years old. 
it means very little to me, very little to me. And I'm sure it means very little to the current Dolphins players. It only means much to those who actually saw it when it happened. But again, 46 years ago, that's a very long time. The NFL is all about what you've done now. No one cares what you did 46 years ago. It does not matter. We'll see what the Dolphins do after their mini bye week. They have the New York Jets at home. They then travel to Lambeau to take on the Packers before hitting up their bye week. The Dolphins have a lot of work to do. They need to get on the right track if they want to salvage this season. And even though we don't think there's much direction, much hope, we've seen stranger things happen in the past. And if Dolphins make some defensive changes with personnel and get the right players on the field and get them believing in Matt Burke's system, then maybe, just maybe, the Dolphins can turn this thing around. We will see how it goes moving forward. We will be with you as we preview the Jets next week. Until then, do your best to get over this game against the Texans. Do your best to just get away from some football this weekend. Spend some time with the family. Do things you need to do. And try to enjoy it as much as you can. Even though we say we're miserable, we hate it, we all know come March we'll be dying for football to come back. That's going to do it for us here this week on Finsider Radio for Josh House and Aaron Sutton. I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. The greatest football team We take the ball from goal to goal Like no one's ever seen We're in the air, we're on the ground We're always in control And when you say Miami You're talking Super Bowl Cause we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins number one Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins number one Everybody! Miami Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. 
like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.